This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you deep down in my heart. Oh, thank you so much. We give God praise on today as we continue to worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, Before I go any further, I just want to recognize um, that there's a couple celebrating 40 years of marital bliss, living together, loving together, being married together, having children and grandchildren. My brother, Brother Robbie and Sister Beverly Callahan. Yeah, y'all may not know him, but go ahead and celebrate with me anyway. We're celebrating Robbie and Beverly's 40th wedding anniversary. And they happen to be sharing that with us in Savannah, Georgia. So we thank God for them on today. Wow. Our scripture again today is Jeremiah chapter 18, reading verses 1 through 6. Jeremiah 18, reading verses 1 through 6. And again, let us read that passage. It reads, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Speak to us, God, that we, your servants, might hear a word from you, but not just hear your word. Teach us, God, that we may learn of you and then follow you and be everything you designed us to be. Thank you for everyone who's listening, everyone who's participating, everyone who's assembled to worship you on this day. Guide us now, keep us, bless us, and let us leave this place giving you praise, honor, and glory no matter where we are that those who don't know you will come to know you, and those of us who know you will grow in you. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Our vision statement um, gives us, we've been dealing with our vision and our mission statement. And as you know, our vision statement gives us where we are going, and our mission statement shows us how we will get there. That's what our vision and mission statement is all about. Again, our vision statement gives us where we are going, and our mission statement shows us how we will get there. They work hand in hand, even though they're not the same, but they do work hand in hand. So let's go over this. Our vision statement is striving for excellence in kingdom building. I did a sermon on it, did Bible study on it. Uh, We know that it's basically rooted in Ephesians chapter 4 when it tells us what God desires us to become, how he desires for us to live and love and care and forgive. That's the, that's the vision for us. 
We're striving for excellence in kingdom building. Our mission statement, which tells us how we're going to get there, is seeking God through worship, shaping lives through teaching, and serving the world through mission and evangelism. That's how we get there. So we've done, uh, the, we've done our vision statement. We've already preached on the first part of our mission statement. Yeah. So today for our sermon topic, we're focusing on the second part of our mission statement, shaping lives through teaching. Shaping lives through teaching. Seeing that we all want to strive for excellence in kingdom building, let's look at how we reach the visionary goal by shaping lives through teaching. Every member of First African Baptist Church should understand the process of how we reach maturity in Christ. We must seek God, or say it another way, we must come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the first step. We must seek him. We must come to know him. And then we begin to shape our lives, how we live. We begin to shape them through teaching for the purpose of then serving the world through mission and evangelism. That, that's how we go. Every member should understand the process of how we reach maturity. We must seek God. I mean, we must come to him. And then after we seek him, or that passage, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. And after we have a relationship with him, we must be shaped by him through learning of him so we can then serve him. All right, once we come to Jesus, so let's start the whole process. Once we come to Jesus, we must learn of him in order to be molded into doing his will. Once we come to him, we must learn of him so we can then be molded into his will. All right? So how do we get this molding into his will? Let's get this through teaching because this is very strategic and very important to us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus speaking to his disciples and speaking to us today. And he says this. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now I'm going to talk about that, but, but let me just walk through that one more time. Because once you've come to know Christ, there's something we ought to do. We ought to come to know him, but then we ought to follow him. And this becomes a part of that. In order to follow him, we must learn of him. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Once we come to him, he gives us rest. Notice that passage says, when you come to him, he gives us rest. Mm-hmm. But we must choose to be closely connected to him, take the yoke, and then learn from him in order to find rest. Let me say it again. He said, when we come to him, come to me. He said, when we come to him, I will give you rest. All right? So when you come to Christ, you actually literally have rest, peace, and joy. But it's not until you connect yourself with him and begin to follow him and learn of him that you will find what you already got. Let me say that again. Y'all got almost there. You could be given something and you literally have it, but you don't use it because you can't find it. 
No, no, nobody been in that situation before? You, 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 you thought you needed something, and, and you, you, you thought you needed it, and you had it all the time, but it wasn't until you got more information and realized you actually had what you were looking for and thought you needed all the time. It's like people going on a cruise that didn't know that the food and, and, and entertainment, all that was paid for. And they get on the cruise and they don't eat because they think they got to pay more money. Until somebody tells them the food is already included. What? I didn't, it was the, I, the food I'm going to pay for. They had it all the time once they got on the ship. They already had everything that they needed, but they didn't know it. I'm trying to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that that we're looking for in life, we already have it because Jesus said, when you come to him, I will give you rest. But you got to take my yoke upon you and learn of me in order to find the rest that he's already given us. Let me keep going. you probably catch on to what I'm saying. Jesus had to teach his disciples. He, he had to... To, to, to mold them. He had to teach them. He had to let them know things about him. Um, his disciples, uh, he taught them, and, and for three years he was with the disciples. We know them, the 12, and then got down to 11, then they chose another one. But he taught them, and as he taught them, they were learning. He was molding them. He was molding them. But then look at what happened. When Jesus died and rose from the grave, the disciples then became what we know as the apostles. I, that's that's an important note. I want just to make that connection. The disciples then became the apostles, and the apostles were the one that got started the first century church, uh, moved us into the churches even as we know it today. Jesus taught the disciples. So if I say Jesus taught the disciples, I'm also telling you Jesus taught the apostles because the apostles, um, the disciples became apostles. All right, so Pastor, why is that so important today? I'm glad you asked. Look at how the first century church grew, and look how it became the church that God wanted it to become. Uh, right at the day of Pentecost, Peter preached. And when he preached, the Bible shows us in Acts chapter 2 what happened on the day of Pentecost. Um, and we look at, get down to verse 41, it says, For those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. One sermon. Peter preached, 3,000 folk came. Now, how do you lead a group of believers right after they've come, they're fired up, they're excited about who God is, they're excited about Jesus dying for their sins, rose from the grave. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47 shows us what they did and it's a hint as to what we ought to do and be doing. Verse 42 says, beginning with verse 42 in Acts chapter 2, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How did it get to a point where the Lord was starting to add day by day? Verse 42 helps us with that. This is how it started. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The 3,000 or more devoted themselves to the apostles' teach, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Once they met them, they devoted themselves to the What were the apostles teaching? They were teaching what Jesus had taught them. They came to, Lord of the church did, they came to Christ and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were now saved and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They sought salvation, they received salvation, and then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Yeah. The church was then molded into what God intended and then get to verse 47 when it says what the Lord did after they received the teaching and began to do the work. They received the teaching and then they did those things, you know, they, they sold the possessions, all that sort of stuff. But look at what the last part of it says, verse 47. And the Lord added their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added, King James said, the Lord added daily those who were being saved. We need to hear a word from God's word. We need to hear a word from God's word. And the Lord added daily to his church. Y'all know we okay if the Lord would add weekly. We okay if the Lord add monthly. We won't get so excited if the Lord don't add in a couple of months. But the Lord added daily because they devoted themselves to the teaching and then they did what they were taught. Somebody ought to say amen. Thank you. Woo! Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Matthew 28. Go to Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, because you can see how important it is that he's telling them not to receive the teaching, but to do something with it. In Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, it reads, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said to the disciples, Jesus says to us, this is what we know as the great commission. We have been commissioned. First he gave us a great commandment, now he gives us the great commission to go and teach them to observe all I have commanded you. Teach them all I have commanded you. Teach them what I've commanded you. Well, what did he command us? What, what did the Lord command of us? What did he command of his disciples? What, what is he commanding of us? What did he command of the first century church? I'm so glad you asked. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. So you can say, Pastor made none of this up. It's in the word. It's in the word. Or well, what did he teach? What did he command us? Matthew 22, 37 reads, And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're commanded to do. And once he's commanded us to do this, he's telling us to teach others that that we've been commanded to do. Woo! Now we'll find it all over the word of God. We'll find it all over the New Testament. We'll find it all over when Jesus talked to them about it. Even in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus tells them this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Love one another as I love you. Hmm. 
That's what we're commanded to do. Mm-hmm. And would you admit on today, right where you are, that we have failed to love one another as Christ has loved us? Would, would, would you be humble enough to admit that we haven't reached that mark? We're striving for that excellence. We're striving for that maturity. But would you be honest enough to say we haven't gotten there yet? We say we love, but do we forgive like Jesus forgives us? We say we love, but do we help each other as the Lord helps us? We say we love, but yet we fall short. We sin in our not loving, in our not caring, in our not reaching the least, the last, and the lost. We need to strive to love the way God wants us to love. And we ought to love others the way we want God to love us. Or we want God to forgive us of every wrong thing we've ever done. There's nobody who wants God to forgive you for part of your sins. There's nobody who wants God to forgive you for some of the stuff you said, some of the stuff you've done. We want God to forgive us of all of our stuff because we sure enough want heaven to be our home. But if we want God to forgive us of all of our stuff, shouldn't we forgive others for all their stuff? Because you know when we pray that prayer, in the Lord's prayer we say, Lord, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive, as I, as I forgive, forgive me my trespasses as I, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And if you ever read that passage, go a little further and you'll see Je Jesus says this. And if you do not forgive your brother their trespass, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. That's a part of what he asks us to do. But we fail. We fail miserably. But the question is, can God still use me? Can God still use us? Even though we haven't done it perfectly, even though we're striving for excellence in kingdom building, as we learn... Can God still use us even when we haven't done it the way he really wanted us to do it? Even though we mess up. And e listen, even though we are saved, even though we have come to know him, and yet we mess up, can God still use us? Let's look at Jeremiah 18 again, 1 through 6. I'm almost done. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Gone down to the potter's house. And when you get there, I want you to hear my words. So it said, Jeremiah, the prophet, went to the potter's house. And he saw the potter working on a wheel. You don't have to show the scripture. I'll just go through this. He said, so he went down to the potter's house. And there he saw the potter working on the wheel. Now, now the wheel spinning around. The potter is, is, is working with the clay in his hands. And as he's making this vessel, the Bible of God says he was making this vessel of clay and it was spoiled in the potter's hands. King James says it was marred. In other words, there was some imperfection in the clay. Something that if he continued what he was doing and set it aside, it, it would have been not what the potter had fashioned in his mind for it to be. Oh, I need you to hear me today. This is what happened. The potter has the clay in his hands. And in the midst of him working on it and working with it, with him looking at it, with his hands on it, 
The clay was spoiled. The clay was marred. The, the, the clay had imperfections while he was working on it in his hands. And now he has some options. The potter can literally take the clay, push it aside into the jump heap, and start with a new set of clay that's even better than the clay he had. He could begin fashioning it with some new clay and putting it together like he wanted to because that first one was spoiled, that first one was marred, that first one just didn't have what he needed, was not going to be developed into what he visioned in his mind. But look at what the text says. This is the lesson for us. He didn't get another lump of clay, but the clay that was marred in his hand, the clay that was spoiled, the clay that wasn't working right, the scripture clearly tells us what he did. It said, so he reworked it. King James says, so he made it again. <laughs> Woo! Instead of getting some new clay, the potter began to work with the clay that was already in his hands. And the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, can I do this with y'all, with the church? Can I do this with Israel? Can I do this with you all? Can I do this with the church? Pastor, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that while we're still in Christ, while we're still in God, while we're still in his church, there are times when we haven't done what we ought to do. There's times that we've messed up. There's times we said stuff we should not have said. There's times we've done stuff we should not have done. There's times we did not say stuff we should have said and did not do what we and did, did some things we should not have done. And all those things and have not done something we should have done. In the midst of being in his hands, in the midst of walking and talking with him, in the midst of believing that we, we just got everything right, but when he looks at us, we are not perfect. We, we have not reached that perfection. We have not reached maturity. And we, we've done some things, some things that other folk know about, some things other folk don't know about, some things you got arrested for, some things you didn't get arrested for, some things that happened in your life and the life of others. And when it happened, look at what he did. He didn't throw us away. He didn't discard us and tell us you're going to eternally be in hell. But look at what the word says. So he made it again. Woo! Go on to his name. So he reworked us. So he's still working with us in spite of throwing us away. We got to say, Lord, I thank you. We're saved. But we've messed up God's perfect world. We're saved, but we messed up God's perfect work. We're saved, but we've messed up God's perfect will. But all is not lost. Here's the teaching moment. Yeah. So he made it again. So he made me again. So he made you again. That's how God is shaping us right now. His teaching is shaping us to learn of him. And not just learn of him, but to do better. And not just for us to do better, but to teach others to do better. He, he's working with us to transform our lives. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He's working on us and working in us and working through us that his will can be done. What a mighty God we serve. How do we do this? Well, you understand, he could do it because... He sent his son through 40 and two generations who came to this earth and went about doing good. Listen, Jesus came. He came just to make you and I new persons in him. He came and he left an example for us on how we ought to live, how we ought to give, how we ought to forgive, how we ought to trust God with all of our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. He's given that to us. 
Can you see him as he walked on this earth and went about doing good? And folk talked about him. Folk ridiculed him. I know folk talk about you. I know folk ridicule you. But the Bible says, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The Bible says our response ought to be to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. Look at what he did for us. How do we make heaven? We make heaven because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And then look at what he did for you and for me. He allowed them to arrest him. He allowed them to take him from judgment hall to judgment hall. He allowed them to whip him all night long. He has done nothing wrong, but he allowed them to march him up to Golgotha's hill and put nails in his hands and nails in his feet with a crown of thorns on his head. Can you see our Lord and Savior as he's dying on the cross for all of your sins, as he's dying on the cross for all of my sins? Can you see him as he's dying there? And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you see him as he's dying? And he takes time to say to one who is on another cross next to him, takes time to say, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Can you see him as he's dying and he's still loving and saving others? Can you see our Lord and Savior as he drops his head and say, it is finished. And the Bible says he died. Oh, yes, he died. But the story doesn't stop there. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there all night Friday, stayed there all day Saturday, stayed there all night Saturday night. But the Bible says early on that Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with power, power over the grave, victory over death. He ascended into heaven, sent back the Holy Spirit to live in us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us, to learn of him, to grow in him, and to be everything he's called us to be. Oh, we got to give God praise, honor, and glory for just being God all by himself. He loves us. And we come today to commemorate the fact that we remember that he shed his blood, that he died for you, that he died for me. We, we remember that the sacrifice that was made on our behalf is so we can forever live with Christ. There may be those who are paying attention to these very words and say, you know, I have sinned. I've come short. I haven't been everything I ought to be. I've messed up. Things I've said, things I've done. I need the Lord in my life. I'm asking God to come into my life. Well, I'll lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer that you have to pray. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you in the prayer. It's a prayer that lets you know in Romans 10, 9, it says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. So there's a prayer that we're praying as we pray this prayer. If you want to accept the Lord into your life, we just ask you that you pray this prayer after me with all that it has in it. So you can accept Christ. Now I'm going to pause. And the reason I'm pausing in the prayer is to give you an opportunity to repeat after me. Wherever you are, wherever you are, just take time right now, wherever you are. If you want to accept the Lord into your life, if you want your life to be transformed, take time right now to pray this prayer. You say, Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all I should be. I am sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to be 
what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want you to take time to let us know that. If you prayed this prayer and you're in the building and you want to accept Christ, just, just let me know. Uh, we'll share with you more so you can learn of him and grow in him. You contact us by phone or you can contact us by email. Our phone number at the church, 912-233-6597. 912-233-6597. Or just look us up, Google us, First African Baptist Church, Savannah, Georgia. We thank God for you. We ask God to continue to guide and direct us as he loves us. As we take time now to prepare for our communion, we ask that you at home, if you would go ahead and get your uh, communion supplies together, uh, the bread, the fruit of the vine, and as you're preparing, we will read together our church covenant. This is a covenant that we made with each other and with God. It's what we agree that God would guide and direct us by as a body of baptized believers. So please read along with us for our church covenant as it reads. Having been as we trust, brought by divine grace to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and to give ourselves wholly to him, we do now solemnly and joyfully covenant with each other to walk together in him with brotherly love to his glory as our common Lord. We do therefore in his strength engage that we will exercise a Christian care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully warn, exhort, and admonish each other as occasion may require. That we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but will uphold the public worship of God and the ordinances of his house. That we will not omit closet and family religion at home, nor neglect the great duty of religiously training our children and those under our care for the service of Christ and the enjoyment of heaven. That, as we are the light of the world, and salt of the earth, we will seek divine aid to enable us to deny ungodliness and every worldly lust, and to walk circumspectly in the world that we may win the souls of men, that we will cheerfully contribute of our property according as God has prospered us for the maintenance of a faithful and evangelical ministry among us, for the support of the poor, and to spread the gospel over the earth, that we will in all conditions, even till death, strive to live to the glory of him who has called us out of his marvelous, out of darkness into his marvelous light. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make us perfect in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. When Jesus assembled with his disciples in the upper room, the word of God teaches us that he took the bread, blessed it, the fruit of the vine, and blessed it and gave it to them. As we're assembling in this place, we'll take time to pray that God would move in his own special way in our lives and in these elements that he might get the praise, the honor, and the glory. So let's take time to pray right now. 
God our creator, God our sustainer, God our redeemer, the one who loves us so much, we come humbly before you at this moment asking that you would move in our lives in such a special way. Help us to be everything you designed for us to be. We pray now that every baptized believer will participate. If there's anyone who feels that they're not worthy, we ask God that you would change that right now. Create within us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Change these elements from a carnal use to a spiritual use that as we partake, we're cleansed to do the work you've called us to do the way you have us to do as we continue to learn, to be taught, and to grow in you. Bless us now that we can be a blessing to others. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. The word of God says that as they assembled in the upper room, Jesus took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat all of it. Likewise, he took the cup and said, this is my blood, shed for the remission of sin. Drink you all of it. Amen. After partaking of the bread and the wine, they went out into the garden and sang a hymn. As we leave today, and as you leave from watching and participating, we ask that you would allow God to guide, direct you, and use you. This day, let's learn of him. Every lesson that we're going through, every trial and tribulation you're going through today, let that be a lesson for you. Every time you fail, that's just another lesson. Don't stop. Keep trusting God. Go just a little bit further, knowing that God can move in your life and remake you and remold you. Be molded by him. Be shaped by God, by his word. Let us remember all observations and govern ourselves accordingly. Now we ask that the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit would rest, rule, and abide with us now, henceforth, and forevermore. That all of God's people say amen and amen. Look forward to seeing you in worship right here, 23 Montgomery Street, on next Sunday. To God be the glory. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.